pretty strange guy. Just like the other day, for example, when you totally freaked out and then slapped me. Oh, sorry. Well, it's not that I'm really mad. But I wonder sometimes why on earth you're a coordinator in the first place. What? Oh, that didn't come out right. I mean, why are you fighting for the Earth Forces if you're a coordinator? You probably think that's strange. I get that a lot. Whether or not people think you're strange isn't the point. We're at war because coordinators and naturals are determined to exterminate each other no matter what the cost. I mean, don't you have strong feelings about that? Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best and only episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast. My name is Jeremy. I would pilot New Zealand's Gundam, the Kiwi Gundam. I'm Tyler. Is that really what it's called? Uh, Well, it it would be if they had a Gundam. I don't know. They might call it something like the Tasmanian Tiger Gundam. Have you ever seen G Gundam? It's a very weird series. My name is Zach. See, if it was remade today, it would definitely be the Hobbit Gundam. Oh, yeah, that would actually be pretty good. Or the Gandalf Gundam. I was just going to say the Gandalf Gundam. (laughs) For the (laughs) Tell me that would be the best. (laughs) Depends. That's the actual G Gundam. Okay, you can't do Gandalf Gundam because it's copyright. So you can't do Hobbit Gundam either. It has to be the Elf Gundam or the Halfling Gundam. Could be the Wizard Gundam. Well, actually, that would be cool. Halfling is actually copyrighted by Wizards of the Coast. Is it? Yeah, uh, Kinder is generally the... I thought Kinder was a specific thing for Forgotten Realms. Um, It's also used in Dragonlance, and they use it as their, (laughs) well... Halfling and Hobbit are both copyrighted, so I guess it's Kinder now. <laughs> That's serious. With Sailor Moon Gundam belonging to Sweden. I, there were uh, so many good, terrible man, things about I that I wish show. that series would re-release. I would buy it in a heartbeat, because it is so bad. Uh, Tyler, you really need to play uh, that Super Robot Wars game I played, because it takes the plot of Gundam Seed and combines it with the plot of Martian successor Nautisco and just throws G Gundam and Voltron in there. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds awesome. Voltron, like, patches over a plot hole in Gundam Seed. We haven't gotten to it yet, <laughs> but I'll talk about it later. I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah so Alan B. and Rain and Domon are just yelling about love and stuff while Kira is moping. There's a lot of people just being like, Kira, stop moping, too. <laughs> or we should try to cheer up Kira since he is our acist pilot. <laughs> <laughs> our acist pilot. I don't know. God Gundam is pretty badass. Wait, so I'm I'm confused as to what happens with the love triangle from Seed. Do they just like hang out together, or like what? what uh, so which love triangle are you talking about? Um, LMB, Rain, and Domone. That's, that's G Gundam. Gundam one. And yeah, yeah it's oh, mostly sorry, that sorry. LMB yeah. is totally into Domone. Domone is oblivious and into Rain. Yeah, <laughs> eventually. Eventually, that is true. Like, G Gundam is a Gundam show because Gundam shows are all about shitty teenagers becoming reasonable people. And the way in which Domon is a shitty pre- uh, teenager is that he is mean to the girl who is totally into him and is, all, for all intents and purposes, his girlfriend. Basically, his problem is he's a bad boyfriend. And yeah. he gets over it and they learn how to learn how to love Kamehameha someone out of a Gundam. And that's how they solve the problem. She's also his mechanic. Yeah, and she's a got the cool uh, Rising Gundam, which doesn't really do anything in the series, but it has a Naginata and a bow, and it's awesome. Yeah, yeah it shows up like once. 
And I, does, like attacks somebody one time and then leaves. I only knew what weapons it had because of that one bad G Gundam <laughs> fighting game. It's a really good design. I actually kind of do want to see that remade now. G Gundam? Hmm. Could take yeah. or leave. I mean, it's a really bad. I love the memes it generates, but it, as a show, it's kind of Gundam Battle or Gundam Build Fighters really satisfied my like that itch for me because it's not quite as over the top and it doesn't have quite the same stakes, but it's got the same level of goofiness to it. I suppose it's because I kind of like that idea of a, of the world basically being kind of a shithole. The majority of people actually live being like it's still our home world and. You know, winner gets to call themselves king of the world, basically. So let's just have a tournament to claim that title for the hell of it every few years. Because yeah, I why like, not? We've I like their mid- voting system. <laughs> Whoever can beat each other up the best becomes king for a year. We've we've got all this military personnel and hardware that we would normally have to be using to kill each other, but why not make a TV instead? <laughs> why, why not make a TV series out of this? You know. Have you Season ever heard five. of Foundation? What? Foundation? No, I'm not familiar with that. It's a series by Arthur Clarke, um, <laughs> but it ba- it takes place so far in the future that humanity has colonized basically the entire known galaxy. We have found no other life forms that we didn't immediately exterminate on accident, and no one remembers what our home planet is. We're all like, well, there are humans everywhere, and we all appear to share roughly the same anatomy, so maybe we all came from one place. So, like, it's a big mystery where Earth is, and they set out trying to find it, and they eventually find out. That Earth is just, like, some random run-of-the-mill planet that's mostly habitated by robots now. So, and it's, like, really kind of boring, and they're like, well, that was disappointing. Guess we're going to go conquer the rest of the universe now. The uh, premise of the current Power Rangers series, Power Rangers Ninja something. Um, it's not <laughs> Ninja, Ninja I was going to say Ninja Storm. That was the last Ninja season. Uh, is that the bad guy wants these ninja powers and so he created a galactic reality tv show where he gets monsters to try to reach into this ninja power thing to get the ninja powers and if you win you get a million dollars and if you lose the ninja powers beat you up but then the power rangers got the ninja powers so he changed the premise to you go have to go fight the power rangers (laughs) so the bad guys are just reality tv show contestants they've got this dj who's like building them up and they're like the crowd is totally into the megazord and like the main bad guys to be like yes it is very cool buy the toys <laughs> that is actually kind of awesome yeah uh, so anyway we're not watching power rangers there are plenty of podcasts for that we're watching gundam seed and we just finished the second arc and we we spent lo- so long on the last episode we didn't really unpack it at all so what are our thoughts on the andrew Waltfelt desert arc rip sexy romberall um, it was pretty good. It felt a little truncated. Actually, it felt a little forced. Like, why does Walfeld like feel the absurd need to fight Kira to the death? It like, felt accelerated. They needed a bit more time spent there to uh, more characterize Walfeld and largely his uh, desire to go after Kira and fight to the death. I thought he was trying to prove a po- with the whole like holding a gun to him scene. I thought he was trying to prove a point that that's not the only way for wars right to end. And then he goes and does it anyway. So I think he's gotten to the point where he's like, this war needs to end, but he hasn't figured out how to do it yet. And like, he's still trapped in this. And he says all that berserker stuff to Kira, which Kira very clearly thinks applies to him. But I think he's honestly talking about himself. D- himself being Waltfeld? Yeah. Waltfeld is talking about Waltfeld and really, I think like he's saying he's a berserker and like, he's normally calm and cool and likes yogurt sauce and to talk about whale stones. But then he gets <laughs> into a fight and it's all he can do. And we saw that the first time he fought Kira. Yeah, that's how true. Super into it he got. Yeah, but he disengaged from that one. And yeah. I don't, I don't think Kira thinks. Kira, or that he was talking about Kira. 
I think Kira thinks Waltfeld was talking about Waltfeld. No, I think Kira thought he was talking about Kira. Yeah, Kira is the one who has a Super Saiyan mode. Well, I don't think Kira realizes he has a Super Saiyan (laughs) mode, actually, yet. Maybe he does later. All right. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on it, Tyler? I'm more interested in you because you've never seen it before. Um, I agree. Like, in retrospect, it seems a little rushed. But while I was in it, man, that was like, like everything seemed super intense at the time. So it's it's weird to have this retrospection where it seems like it went by really fast all yeah, of a sudden. And for context, Ron Barral only gets like four episodes devoted to him. And then he's in a few others that are more focused on other antagonists where he just has a scene to develop him a little bit. He never gets anything as intense as Walfelt's meeting with Kira and Kigali. Yeah, and Walfelt's a great character. I kind of wish they had a... Like, I wish there was more of the antics... Well, maybe not even antics. More interaction between he and his wife because they play off of each other really well. Yeah, I really... I wish his wife was in more episodes and got more character. Well, she only has like three lines, but they're really well-used lines. I think she has five. This show, we've talked about it a lot, is very efficient with his characterization she comes off as a fully fledged character even though unfortunately she ends up with very little to do because i think she has a line when they first meet kieran kigali and then she has like three in the fight she has quite a few with izak and diarka too no she only has like one or she's only got like one or two lines with those two yep it feels like a lot but it's only yeah. two lines well I, I was gonna say it wouldn't surprise me if she has 10 lines which is not a lot but <laughs> i don't think she gets to double digits <laughs> all right so what are your thoughts going forward, Tyler? Where do you think things are going to go, knowing what you know about Gundam? And also... So we're, we're kind of nearing the edge of where I'm actually familiar with Gundam. We're almost there. I guess once I get to, get to Alaska is basically where I, my knowledge of the original Gundam ends. And that's where they really divert. So, um, so I mean, obviously we have the water arc. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. I hope Frank totally legit Waterman comes back. <laughs> He seemed like a character that we need to see more of. I mean, obviously, they're going to get ambushed or something so, once they get to Alaska. That's Operation Spitbreak, right? <laughs> so what are your thoughts on Kigali, since she's the like major Gundam Sea character we've had introduced here? I like her uh, in a weird way. So l- let me preface this with, by saying I've been thinking a lot about the ways that people think, and there are a lot of people I know who are just like, they process everything emotionally, and it's completely bizarre and foreign to me. And she seems like one of those people who is both like, one, super prone to emotional swings, and then two, like, super, like, she knows she's prone to that. I, we kind of see some of that in this episode, where she's, like, she super hot-headed. I think she's a good, not not quite a full foil to Kira, but I could see them playing off of each other well. Yeah, I'd say very much Maybe that. Maybe she a good does, lancer to Kira. She, she is very much more aggressive than Kira is in a lot of ways. She is a character that Kira needs in his party to play off of him in a way that Mu isn't right now. Right, he doesn't have anyone who's going to oppose him as much as Kigali. That's the thing, is everyone kind of has to be yes-men to him. Natarl is the most in opposition to him, but she's not really. She's just kind of stern with him. And I think he needs someone who opposes him for really no other good reason than they You're feel there? Like, well, yeah, and, <laughs> and that is what Kigali is. Clay so. opposes him, but in a very subtle way that is actually appears to be encouraging him. And that's not really a good thing for him, whereas yeah. Kigali will just call him an idiot. So earlier you slipped about the Gundam Seed Love Triangle. So what are your thoughts oh. on all the romances that are going to be <laughs> happening? <laughs> well, as one, one of my notes for this episode says, I think we just need more Millie screen time. She's just... <laughs> well, yeah, but Millie she already, is she's pretty in a committed good. relationship. She doesn't have any romance. She's yeah. at the boring stage of a relationship <laughs> where she's just happy. <laughs> and careful what you wish for, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, no, it seems like Flay's losing ground by all this episode too much, but I can see what the tactics she's going to take to well, stop that. Let me put it this way. Tee-hee-hee, who do you ship? That's a good question. Like, I mean, Paul and Millie, obviously, but is it even really shipping? Nah, no, nah, it's not. <laughs> I feel like the show wants you to ship Kigali and Kira. I don't know that that's going to happen. You know, Nicole and Atherin. That's... <laughs> yes. No, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I've just not heard that one before. <laughs> really? I feel like the show is trying to... The show is not trying to set them up as a couple, but the show is trying to uh, make girls who want that to happen. It's trying to give them plenty to work with. I've I, also I not spent it. a lot of time looking into the shipping of Gundam Seed characters. <laughs> oh, there's one ship I will die over, but we're not there yet. Lacus in someone? Uh, uh, someone. Um, <laughs> there is kind of a... Not, it's not even quite a love triangle between Kigali, Kira, and Flay, but it's kind of there. There's definitely a tension between them that has romantic components. So the thing is, I feel like... Kigali and Kira could end up together, but they'll go through it in, like, the we're going to be friends first stage, as opposed to Lei, who just kind of, like, threw herself physically at Fira. Kigali is not going to be the uh, immediate physical relationship. Flay and Kira lack an emotional connection of any sort, really. They don't share any common interests, except for that they find one another physically attractive. Yeah. Kira did have a crush on her, but I think... Yeah, it's physical attraction. Yeah, now it's more along the lines of... Well, I think in, a, in normal circumstances, it might have worked out better, but given that Flay had, was, like, in a really bad state when this... Oh, no. Lots of bad things happened. This is kind of leading into this episode, but clearly they're setting up that Kigali has some sort of reveal. I, I, I assume she's a princess of some sort, whose name may or may not start with an L. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Lex Luthor. Yes. Yes. And clearly Rambo knows her secret background. All right. So that's your guess is she is a princess. Um, or space dignitary of some sort. Yeah. That's, she's going to be really dignitary. She, she's probably going to die. It's probably going to cause angst. I'm just, she may not die actually. What doesn't cause angst in this series? They they are teenagers. (laughs) That's who do you think is going to die in the next 10 episodes? I'm not saying anyone will. I'm just asking. Well, I mean, we haven't met him yet. Uh, not to spoil the episode too much, but almost definitely Beardy Commander. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> I would not actually be surprised if Moo died in the next 10 episodes. He is competent. We need to get rid of competency. <laughs> Probably not Murdoch. He's too unimportant to die. Uh, like, <laughs> he's too much of a generic oh, side Are not going to kill him like the mechanic that was in Zeta Gundam dies in Char's counterattack when someone just takes off unsafely with him right there? <laughs> And he gets exhausted to death? No, no, really? he's not going to yeah. die that way. Huh. I could see Cuzzy going and everyone making a big deal of it and the audience <laughs> wondering why. <laughs> no one cares about Cuzzy that much, Tyler. <laughs> no, that's the point, is that the, the characters clearly care about, about Cuzzy, but the audience don't. The yeah. Tarl would be like, man, one less soldier for me to boss around. That's <laughs> the extent of the caring. Cuzzy's dead! Who's Cuzzy? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't actually think they're going to kill off much of the cast. Actually, maybe Izak. I could see his hot-headedness causing a problem. Oh, actually, never mind. Knowing what I know about Gundam, and also Seed, uh, by Seed I mean Wing, Nickel. Nickel's gonna die in the next ten episodes. Really? Yeah, especially based on the end of this episode, they're definitely... Sa- actually, I have a note about that, actually. Um, Why? Because they're giving him too much character? Yeah, they're giving him too much characterization. He's too much like Katra. <laughs> He's going to but the desert. Katra doesn't die. Katra doesn't die. None of the... Actually, none of the... Wing One of them gets amnesia die. for no goddamn reason and is on an amnesia circus for most of the series. Troa gets amnesia from waking up in the morning. He somehow becomes even less interesting. <laughs> amnesia circus. 
I feel like there should be a level one Psychonauts. Yeah, Amnesia. <laughs> I forget what it was, but I saw something that was like a mashup of the Noin and Wufei type of thing, and it was like, no, if my soldiers are going to die on the battlefield, not even ten seconds later. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one. That was, I think, a death battle. That that actually might have been. I could see them doing it, that. It was, but it, it was like they were positing Zek's strengths as has a sexy girlfriend for some reason. <laughs> But that, that was just that was just too good. My soldiers aren't gonna die on the battlefield. Not even ten seconds later, they all blow up. Uh, okay, so who was that death battle between Zex and uh, White Gundam Epion uh, and the, the White Rangers Tiger Zord? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I said Epion and thought I had said Tiger Zord, and then I was like, and the and the, the Epion and the Epion. That doesn't make any sense. Epion v Epion. <laughs> which one wins? Purple Epion. Now, the, the true question that they need to answer in Death Battle is Wing Zero versus Epion, because those two have never come into contact. Never. Never. There never. certainly <laughs> isn't that awesome model that won last year's uh, Gundam World Grand Prix of the two of them grappling in the atmosphere <laughs> and dis- and uh, disintegrating as they do. I saw a shot of a badass-looking Overlord at one of the Metcons, and it's actually the, Met- the Overlord is coming down. It's got all the fire and smoke underneath it, and that's what's actually supporting it above the table. That that's actually cool. pretty sweet. All right, any other predictions for where Gundam Seed is going, Tyler? Water, dead beard people, dear, <laughs> dead nickel. Kagali um, might die, but we'll probably be uh, friends with Kira. I mean, clearly Alaska is their Jopero, right? Yeah. Beyond that, I, I can't say, because like I said, that's about the end of my familiarity with the original <laughs> Gundam. I know bits and pieces beyond that, but I know at some point there's a big Zam. Do we get a big Zam in this show? <laughs> Do we get a... <laughs> no comment is what i'm gonna say to that i was like i was about to say something interesting and then i remembered something else um <laughs> that tyler has no experience with this uh, okay uh so with all that out of the way we're watching episode 22 of gundam seed uh the sea over- died red yeah the sea died red the totally not ominous sea <laughs> died red the red sea i just feel like this can't end well for anyone could end rail for people who need to level up. Yeah, it sounds it sounds better than the Mauve Sea. Skull. I like the skull. <laughs> yeah, we start out with the Archangel in the desert, just about to reach the ocean and finally get rid of all the sand for water. Anakin will be so happy. <laughs> but there are no soft round things on the ocean. There are buoys. They better be careful. They might get stuck on something again. <laughs> Inexplicably, we basically just get a bunch of glory Enterprise shots of the Archangel coming out. And a lot of the spacefaring... So a lot of these people have never actually been to the ocean. And of so. course there are dolphins. Uh, of course. Gotta be all and cool and majestic. Man, like I said, they're out of this he- desert hell where some sort of crazy tiger person and his wife were trying to murder them. That has gotta be some of the worst looking water. <laughs> now it's smooth sailing, and by that I mean any sailing the rest of the way. <laughs> but uh, Nataral has to ruin everybody's fun. By getting down to business and asking Murdoch if Kira has made up sonar for them yet, uh, using what systems? I'm wondering, but whatever. He says they're uh, Zap, they're modified Zap stuff. I don't know where they got it. And Nata- I, there was probably a lot of debris. From I the rather battle. like the dressing down that Murdoch gets because he mentions the kid is working on it right now, and then Nataro replies with, uh, "I'd hesitate before calling a superior officer kid." So. Is he a superior he, officer? He's an ensign. He's an ensign, so he's actually a commi- technically a commissioned officer. Okay. Which he's a very low, any... if I remember right, an ensign is a commissioned officer. Yeah, it's a low it's rank. It's the lowest rank. Whereas the chief is a petty officer or a non-com. Yeah. Natarl yeah. was an ensign at the start of the series. She got promoted when they all got to 
space dad, the admiral, <laughs> who uh, promoted yeah. them. And Mu was like, when am I going to spend my pay? <laughs> and Taro was like, I am the promoted. And Kira got a rank. <laughs> Kira gained a character class. And he doesn't even bring it up. Yeah, Murdoch is like, he doesn't need to know that. Yeah. And so, Kira's like, well, I'm not a, wi- I'm a tech, I'm a coordinator, not a wizard. Then we get this awesome scene of like an oddly tan flea. I think it's supposed to be Shadow. Like, Clicking pl- with, playing with a hairpin. Yeah, it looks like she's a, me- a mob member getting ready to kill someone as they walk out of the side of a club. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what we're supposed to think. She looks kind of depressed, but also kind of sadistic. And I don't know, maybe this uh, whole, she realizes she's stuck on a warship thing. Maybe she's starting to realize her plan maybe wasn't the best. Maybe you're <laughs> to starting to realize her plan is starting to fail. It was made in a very emotional mo- moment. <laughs> I, I think not mi- many good... Like, I I thought she was going to go full Cersei Lannister, but she's been showing she has a conscience occasionally, which makes me think that maybe she's now realizing that she made a bunch of bad mistakes. So two things. One, Kira just killed the most coordinators he ever has, like, yesterday. So that arguably her plan is going quite well. well. But I do agree. I think Flay is a little bit becoming the mask, and she's maybe becoming a little bit actually attracted to Kira. And finding that to be a problem? Well, she definitely is protective of him, as we'll see later. Yeah. But that could be for genuine reasons, or because she has her plan. (laughs) Why are there two? Why are there two? One is almost tasteful. I mean, I... I always forget how bad that second one is. It it has constantly made me giggle from the beginning of this podcast because I am that mature. So yeah, then we get the opening sequence. And after the opening, we get kind of a flashback to get some denouement on the whole Desert Dawn stuff. And we get like the the opening sequence now ends over water. That's actually been the entire time we've had this opening. Has it? Yep. Okay. yep. Well, I now realize that it ends over water. With the two sky graspers, one with the sword and one with the gun. Anyway, so, we get two guys who are like, it's the moon. That seems like as good a reason to drink as any. So yeah, the uh, CEOs of the Archangel and the leader of the Desert Dawn are drinking. And uh, again, what they do with little character bits, there's this great bit where Nataro can't hold her liquor and starts coughing. And, and Maru totally just yeah. downs it. <laughs> yep. Maru was a party girl in college. Nataro was too busy practicing Studying. to be a military well, hard ass. I love how like Maru just downs the whole thing and the Desert Dawn leader is just giving her this uneasy laugh like his expression is like oh my god I've never seen somebody just slam one of it's those like, back before. It's like that's like 40% cactus. Um. <laughs> she is like I have not had a drink and you will not believe how long and I have needed a drink. <laughs> yeah but like Jeremy said the fact that Nataro can't hold her alcohol and Maru can. And well, and she's like coughing and sputtering in the background of the conversation for a while. It's pretty well, good. <laughs> and and Moo gives her this look of like, really? Yeah, I really like Nataro, actually. I like Nataro and I like Maru here. I, like I said, I was just pointing it out because it gets a lot of character across in basically a background. Yeah. So the, it accomplishes two goals at once, which is nice. Uh, and here, uh, the officers are just discussing what Desert Dawn is going to do. Yeah, and Moo's like, I'd hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, they have more guns. Yeah, and he's like, well, we'll keep fighting then. Look uh, at my gun. <laughs> I like how he has a rifle at the table where they're celebrating. <laughs> well, you never well, know when you need beer and uh, guns. Where I mean, else would you put beer, it? But it's hard liquor. So a kid comes like, hey, the chief wants us to pray. I just noticed that he called him dad. I didn't realize that he had a son. Yeah, I yeah. think they did establish that earlier. Yeah, when the uh, when Walfelt first attacked the village, he was very worried about his kid. At first, it looks like they're going in alphabetical order with the names as they pray, but then it kind of goes along. And again, we get lots of subtle physical stuff. 
Kigali is praying with everyone else just in a slightly different position. Nataro salutes and is very protective. Kira is with his girlfriend in the back, kind of awkwardly. I get the feeling Kira is doing what most of us would be doing and just kind of like, I'm not actually a part of this entire affair, so I'm just going to be over here and be out of the way because I'm not actually involved in that, but I'm not going to do anything to disrupt it. So one off thing I noticed, they had like a lot of random Arab Sony names. And then they had this one. I'm like, oh, that's like a really, like, that's German all yeah. of a sudden. And then they have one more Arab sounding name. And then there's a bunch of German names. I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess. Germany were... relocated. Yeah. <laughs> that is kind of consistent with some Gundam Seed Destiny stuff where they kind of treat Germany, Russia, and the Middle East as one political block. Which I guess could have happened at one point in our history. So AU where Soviet Russia was the superpower. And also Britannia. <laughs> All hail Britannia! <laughs> then we cut during the daytime where Kigali is kind of demanding she be allowed to accompany the Archangel, bringing up the kind of good point that she's better familiar with the situation at the moment and can help them with supply problems well, like she already has. And kind of subtly implies that she's like the only other person on the ship who can pilot the second Sky Grasper. I, the shot of her demanding to be allowed on is one of those another little moments. Moo is sitting on a crate. Just kind of watching it. And oh, he's super amused by all this. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It's great. But, like, N- Maru is like, I don't want to let her come with. And you can kind of tell yeah. that. And yeah, Maru Nataro's is like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, like, Nataro's like, really? Maru's like, obviously, like, I'm going to have to let this kid down. I feel bad about it already. But, I mean, I just had to tell her that. I just like the body language for Maru where he's just sitting on the crate watching and silently laughing and she also brings the even more awkward part she's not going to join the military to do this and she doesn't want to go all the way to alaska but she does want to help them and it's not really clear why at this point and she even does not make it clear or you know yeah she seems to understand why after moo asks her yeah she has the very general um i mean general help in like areas you know i mean like clearly she's the only other person who can pilot the sky grasper on the entire ship i'm tall got good score didn't he did he? We didn't actually see. We, yeah, we don't <laughs> yeah. actually know what his score was. Yep. Well, presumably he didn't go without rations for a while, so... <laughs> well, they didn't say a while, they just said that night. So, maybe he got a good score, maybe he got a fail score. So, Mui then comes and makes fun of her, he's like, so, help from a goddess, huh? And Rambo obviously disapproves of the idea of her joining. What is his name? He's got a name, but I can never remember Cass- it. Kilika, I, I, like, have written it down before every episode, so I'll remember. I didn't this time. Kisaka? Maybe I think it's Kisaka. It's something like that. I think it's a. I think there's a K and an A in there somewhere. He's Rambo now. But he's he's, he's Rambo is the best way we can remember him. But Kigali's like, I've already decided. I'm coming with you, as though she's in charge of it. No one really objects, so I guess she is in charge of it. So then Moo turns to Rambo. Is like, so what's her deal? This is mostly a question for Zach. Do we think he tells them at this point? Because that would explain why they let her come along but on the other hand they act surprised i feel like later when it's revealed i don't think he tells he doesn't tell them the whole story he tells them some but i don't think he tells them the whole thing or the actual like really important bits i wonder if uh moo then just points out hey we're understaffed (laughs) well and there is moo almost seems to know already he said some kind of playfully like hinting things and I don't know that if he actually knows or if he's just kind of playing it off that way. I think Moo already suspects some specific instances based on other things. I and suspect he seems like, strongly, and I don't know what's like going on. He seems like a very 
observant individual. I make fun of him, like, lounging on the crate and laughing and all that other kind of stuff. To be fair, that's exactly what I would be doing. But a lot of the other times, you see him doing that, and he's in the background, and he's putting a lot of those, like, side things together where he's not actually saying anything whenever he's involved in these kind of conversations. It's also established that Moo is smart. He just... He doesn't care. Well, maybe not doesn't care. He's very similar to just Bash the back. Stampede from Trigun, where, like, being laid back and kind of joking about things is kind of his coping mechanism. <laughs> but is he is serious, and he is a good soldier, as we see time and time again. And he's, like, a good big brother authority figure, figure for Kira. We don't really see it, but I would also assume he does serve a similar purpose to the other kids on the ship, but he doesn't really interact with them as often. That's just an assumption. <laughs> Moo is ship dad. <laughs> well, it's just an assumption because of his rank and position within the like tripartite command structure. I'd buy that he is also kind of respected and looked up to by a good deal of the other kids on the ship. Moo is ship dad, Maru is ship mom, and Nataro is ship mean aunt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then we got a nice kind of transition of Rambo closing a case that goes back to the Archangel. Oh. Crap, the Archangel is traveling through Jell-O. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's the obligatory swimsuit episode, guys. Let's yeah. <laughs> Maru's like, yeah, people can take turns on deck since we're not expecting any danger. And we see a pretty fun scene with uh, Millie, Tall, and Cuzzy, and a few other background characters up on the ship's deck just kind of hanging out. One of those guys looked like he was about to be sick over the rail. There's a little character development, or I guess background revelation, where we find out Cuzzy is from space. No one cares. <laughs> everyone else is originally from Earth, though, and are just like at high school, college uh, in space. <laughs> that explains why Cuzzy's so uninteresting. <laughs> <laughs> Being born in space takes away your personality. Yeah, yep. look at Athard. I love this scene of, especially her facial expression, Millie teases Cuzzy about like sea monsters, and she's like, she looks legitimately evil about it. <laughs> So Rambo sort of put himself with the COs now, and he's talking about, like, how the hell do the Earth Forces expect you to do anything without resupplying you? Uh, which is some kind of good foreshadowing. And their plan is basically to go through the middle of the ocean, because why would there be defenses in the middle of the ocean? That's a really good question. Why would there be defenses in the middle of the ocean? Do we ever get an explanation for that? Uh, they're not really defenses. They're actively going after the Archangel. Okay. The point is brought up that they have food and water, but ammo is kind of concerned. Well, and they're like, well, we may die out here. And uh, Rambo's like, well, we'll have to get lucky. And then he just turns away and ignores the rest of the conversation. That's <laughs> they say on deck, but there seem to be multiple decks on the Archangel. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're all accessible, though. Well, like, because it, it is a spaceship. It was works. They all went up. The other ones seem to be like on top of it. And then Kira leaves and he's like on the back of the ship away from every, where everybody else was based on the appearance of where he's standing. Uh, my interpretation is that time has passed and everyone. Yeah, that that was my well, interpretation. It, it just well. looks like a different. It looks like an entirely different thing because he walks straight out of it, whereas the other deck was accessible through a trapdoor on the floor. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. This is also a smaller deck, so you're probably right. So Kira has some emoing. He thinks about Andrew Waldfelt and all the stuff they talked about, and how like, he was just kind of a dude. Like, man, I wish I could have had some yogurt sauce on that whale sashu. <laughs> <laughs> we get a rehash of uh, Waldfelt's little speech. Saving some animation budget. We get the some of the fight between the two of them. But basically, he's thinking about the fact that he had to kill him. And then also thinking about what Moo said about Berserkers, and then also flashing back to Flay, yelling at him for not taking things seriously. And that one guy in the episode we don't like, saying he's a traitor to coordinators. <laughs> and basically, he's just having the pretty standard break of, I don't want to kill people, but I have to kill people if I don't want to die. 
Which, you know, it's just kind of summing up Kira's yeah. internal conflict thus far. It kind of sucks generally. It probably sucks more when you're an emotionally unstable teenager. Yeah. And now he's got, like, actually time to think about things, which he really hasn't thus far. Which yeah, is and probably it's probably not bad for him, actually. <laughs> and then Kigali, who only walks in on Kira when he's, like, super angsty or crying, walks in on Kira while he's crying. And he tries to act all tough and be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm here. That face right there. She walks up to him and she's like, hey there. <laughs> she was like smiling a little bit. He's like, hey, were you crying? And then he like tries to leave. And Kigali, being the emotional soul she is, is like, let's hug it out, bro. Yep. She's like, no, you teenage boys do not understand emotions. This is what needs to happen. And she basically yeah. just pats him and makes a bunch of soothing noises at him. Yeah. It's and very motherly for a moment. And then there's a nice shot of her hips for the audience. <laughs> and Kira's obviously like he's confused then confused boner pops up and, uh, <laughs> and then it cuts the play <laughs> subtle i see what you did there show pretty pretty i like how bird does not have any um subtitles yeah so then kira is blushing and uh then that makes kigali blush and she's like no i'm just trying to help you out because you're like a little kid and brah sundari 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 although to be fair i don't really think she did it for no. attraction reasons. I think she's just really like, well, I gotta hug this guy. No, He's I, crying. I, she says it, and I actually do think that, yes, it's uh, Jeremy's comment is not inherently wrong. I also think it's just one of those situations of she genuinely does care. And we actually did see that in earlier episodes where even in this episode where she joins in the the ceremony before they left, is that she does care about people in general. And she wants to help, and that's the only way she really could. But she is hot-headed, and she's still a teenager, and she still doesn't de- try to deal with those emotions in particular. Yeah. Even though she might be better adjusted than Kira, that's not a very high bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really true. <laughs> so then we have Flay looking around the ship for Kira, be- looking kind of concerned. Uh, and then we have uh, Kigali just awkwardly saying whatever comes to mind, and being like, so why for art thou a coordinator? And why did you slap me? <laughs> And she's like, not that I really care anymore. I'm not angry anymore, because... Because I got pilot a cool plane. Yeah, but then she asks, like, why are you a coordinator? And she's even like, oh, that's not how I meant to ask it. But, so she is kind of self-aware, but she's also still very blunt. And, like, even her rephrasing isn't great. Since she asks, like, why are you with the Earth Forces if you're a coordinator? Which is what he was just angsting about. Well, it's and not we exactly... And we get some more money-saving flashbacks. It's not exactly an easy question to be able to ask somebody. Like, it's a valid question to ask, but no matter how you ask that, it's kind of going to come out wrong. Well, and even Kira can't give a straight answer, and they just kind of talk about it for a while, and she's like, well, I'm trying to fight to not die. And he's like, yeah, no, that's... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and she's even like, I'm not coordinator racist. Look how much of a foil I am for Flay right now. <laughs> we have kind of an emotional connection, but not really a physical one, despite your shame boner earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you kept thinking I was a boy. What's up with that? Look at these hips. <laughs> it's the baggy pants. It doesn't help. And it goes back to uh, Flay still looking for Kira. Yeah. While they're yeah. still talking on the back deck. Well, the fact that Flay is looking for Kira and actually looking mildly concerned, that's new. Apparently she decided who she was going to hit today. <laughs> hey, I didn't do the uh, episode uh, recap this time. Uh, I always, usually I joke about how coordinators are Captain America's. Oh man, I forgot about that. And uh, Kira is kind of starting to uh, fill that out more and talk about how it's not, it's not really the case. They just kind of have 
more potential for stuff and don't get sick. As they've kind of alluded to already, especially Andrew Walt felt Kira's kind of a special case. Yeah, Kira is apparently exceptional even among coordinators. But since he's like the main example we have, that's what I've been using as a base. And coordinators can clearly do more. They're trying to kind of reel it back here and say they're not super soldiers. They're just able to pilot ro- human robots. They can yeah. do a little bit more. Yeah, they're generally smarter and generally more physically able. They learn faster. Um, but that doesn't make... They're not gods. They're not godlike. They're not space marines. They're not They're not mutants. And <laughs> Magneto shouldn't kill us all and think they're a different species. Also, we can't uh, procreate for some reason. That's weird. It's approximated as space whales. And, and Kara kind of makes the case that, like, I thought that was kind of what everybody wanted, right? Which is kind of a valid point. All right, so uh, at this point, Flay kind of sneaks into the conversation and starts overhearing it and gets, like, a very kind of jealous, concerned face and is like, all right, time to go in, uh, time to use my girl training. Yeah, <laughs> she, she starts unbuttoning her shirt and, like, well, and then she walks out half naked, so. She's just showing a lot of navel and some boob. But she does a perfect lean, and she p- goes from that concerned face to, like, an instant smile. And she gets real flirty with Kara, like, oh, why didn't you tell me you were coming out here? We should go back to your room later. And then she, like, grabs him and looks at him <laughs> super contentedly, and Kigali's like, really, bro? I, I <laughs> she's got this completely deadpan expression on her face, like, it's great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then she leaves, and I'm not sure if she's trying to be a cool wingman or if she just finds this really awkward. I think it might I be a little both. bit of both. Based on the way she's acted in the past, like I do think it's both. It's like, you know, this is really awkward, and I, I don't want to be in the way. In the oven. <laughs> I think I left my house on fire. I'm, speaking of really well-drawn Flay faces, we see Flay kind of clinging to Kira, looking at Kigali as she goes, looking very worried and nervous, and a little bit jealous, and she's got some nice face shadows going on. So here, like Tyler said, she kind of might be taking a turn, She's clearly possessive of Kira, if nothing else. And it's hard to say if this is like genuine jealousy or if she's worried if her, about her plan unraveling. So it's hard to understand what is causing the concern at this point. And unfortunately, we don't get a whole lot of Flay away from Kira. So Yeah, and Flay is not like a viewpoint character for us either. Seeing some of her flashbacks to kind of context her motives might be nice. Seeing what she's thinking of when she's clicking her bobby pin. And... Uh, on the other hand, I think that makes it more interesting because you're wondering what she's thinking and why. And it's easier. You can ascribe motives to her more easily, so it's it makes it very like Tyler said, kind of harder to figure out exactly what she's actually supposed to be thinking. Which I think makes her a more interesting character. I think if we knew what she was thinking, we wouldn't care as much. Okay, so let's take stock. Where do we think Flay's head is right now, personally? Zach, we can start with you. Are you good? To I don't think she knows where her head is at this moment. Yeah, she's I'm really th- confused based on the fact that she's a teenager. She had a pretty nasty plot. Uh, raised her special attack pretty well. Uh, <laughs> nasty it's plot, right? You kind of going and starting to backfire on her because it's coming back on her, and she's actually starting to develop, you know, moderate feelings for the person who she was initially thinking of as just a tool. I think I could. I think she's legitimately conflicted, and I think that's why she was just sitting in a room. Like I think she was trying to think about what she thinks, and come to came to the conclusion that she wanted to go hang out with Kira, regardless of anything else right now. And then happened to find her, him talking to Kigali, and she's like, "Well, really did not think about that." Yeah, I'm just looking at the five stages of grief because we really saw uh, Flay go through denial and anger. So she might kind of be in bargaining right now 
like this is a grief over the loss of her father. Yeah. Where she's like, well, if I'm good to Kira, if I, you know, do right by him, it's okay, maybe. Also on grief.com. Or she could be in depression. I could easily see her being depressed right now. She definitely hasn't come to acceptance yet. I mean, she's wandering around listlessly. She's like hanging her head on things and like. Well, you know, it might help if somebody gave her a freaking job on the ship. Yeah, that is true. She did enlist and she has no duties. I think about what would I do if I remade Gundam Seed, pretty much only because we do this podcast, and there isn't a lot I would change, but giving Flay a duty is, like, the number one thing so far that I would have changed. And frankly, having a job probably would have helped her get over the death of her father and entire family. That was kind of what I was saying, is having a duty, having a responsibility would help out a lot. I'm actually kind of surprised that the people on the, or I guess the bridge crew didn't come to that conclusion because they're all pretty reasonable adults. Maybe Moo was like, she has Kira. (laughs) (laughs) Her responsibility is Kira. Yeah, no, I'm wondering if Moo's... She's morale officer for Kira. Moo was like, ugh, I I did say the kid needed to get laid, but I was kind of joking. (laughs) And I did not expect him to do it on the ship. (laughs) Also, her hair is red, not pink. (laughs) All right, and then we get eye catch, and then we really shift gears in the episode. Hey there, hope you're enjoying the episode this week. Don't know that we have a whole lot to talk about this time around, and coming up is some of my favorite scenes of a mobile suit imploding under the pressure of the ocean, which is a pretty oddly specific thing to have favorite scenes of. The most recent episode of Jumpstart Weekly was about We Never Learn, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite manga to catch up on. It's pretty consistently solid. I think because we don't have a whole lot, I'm gonna let you get right back to it. Get ready for some apparently aquatically equipped Gundam action. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe, because this is YouTube. On iTunes. If this episode has a weakness, I think this is the first time we've seen an episode that tried to do a bunch of plot and emotion stuff, and then transitioned into a fight scene. And while it's a pretty good action scene, I think this series is at its best when it uses full episodes to build tension, and then releases it in big fight scenes rather than when it splits it down the middle like a more traditional show. So we see uh, Commander Beard, who has a name, but spoilers, I don't care about Commander Beard. I actually uh, watched a bunch of the water episodes of the original Gundam uh, to compare to the water fight scene here, because I was trying to think, I know the bazooka underwater is a trope, and I kept watching water episodes of Gundam to see when it happens, and it doesn't. I don't know if it's in a movie (laughs) or something, but I know that happens there at some point. But Koskun, who this character is sort of the equivalent of, is a much more interesting villain. This is getting to the point where Gundam Seed has so many characters that it can't just introduce new ones easily and make them interesting. Well, I literally don't care about this guy at all yet, and I immediately cared about Walfeld, so... This guy also has no one to play off of. He doesn't have a DaCosta. Yeah. Or, or a wife. coffee love. Like, he yeah. has no defining characteristics other than being beardy, which is, like, the first beardy guy we've seen talk. So we cut to a submarine where a beardy guy is getting a VHS <laughs> tape message from Raul Le Creuset, who's like, man, I feel super awkward that Andrew uh, Walfeld died. It's kind of my fault well, for not stopping the Archangel. I was actually thinking beardy guy would look a lot like Moo if he shaved his beard. Uh, not quite. All they have the same haircut. He's just kind of generic military look, too. He doesn't have a cool tiger flight suit. Uh, Morrisim is his name. Commander Morrisim. And uh, Raul the Crusade is like, hey, why don't you try to murder the Archangel? And he's like, god damn it, Raul the Crusade. I'm not going to fall for your manipulations, but I'll do it. <laughs> I know you're manipulating me, but I'll do it anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, stopping the ship is also kind of his job. 
Um, although, given the amount of firepower they've thrown at it, I don't understand. So clearly, this is an arc, right? Like, there's going to be multiple fights with this guy. I don't understand why he doesn't muster his forces, pinpoint where they are, and just go all out against them, because clearly that's what... Maybe his forces are a submarine. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> He's got a sub well, like, with the mobile suits on it. Like, as we're going to see, the attack he throws at them is not easily repelled, but repelled without too much damage. So... Oh, no. Seems like maybe he should have tried harder. So then we get another kind of fun scene where the um, kind of bridge crew characters whose names we don't know, the ones that are were actually in the military before, are kind of having arguments about sonar. Uh, the Tarl face palms, which is pretty fun. <laughs> 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 and, and Millie has like, a laugh at their expense. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, radar, sir. It appears to be jammed. That means probably, probably boats i don't know and they have uh aircraft approaching quickly but they can't tell what they are because of the interference but they're uh, not civilians because they're moving fast well he says we can't rule out civilian aircraft well given that they're moving fast no. and our sh- no, he says our- we can definitely. yeah you misread the subtitles because oh, i did that first time. okay i misread it then but yeah it's like as, as long as their our, our radar is being jammed uh i think that right there pretty much rules out civilian aircraft because why would a civilian aircraft be jamming military radar like i think that immediately tells you it's not civilian so one of the things that makes Coscoon way more interesting than beardy is that <laughs> he has this plot going on where he's installed a spy on the white base but he has to like come up with ways to communicate with her because they don't have like magic radio so he has to like fake being a civilian plane and get that needs repairs and like to go to the white base for them and then like hide in the bathroom while he's getting these messages <laughs> from the his spy on board and he just has more of a character but these are not civilian things and they go to level two battle stations and flay gets to look concerned and kira gets to look protected and murdoch gets to look murdoch- surprised <laughs> so does moo and then we get to see dins for the first time there are no doms yeah i was gonna say i i heard dim i'm like oh the inter atmosphere ships are they doms and then they're purple so <laughs> and we also see the goons which are the gogs here come the goon squad i just love like i don't think the people who wrote this in japanese originally know what realized the- that goon was <laughs> yeah probably not so they're amphibious mobile suits they are very bulky looking the dins are kind of like the kind of like the why can't i not think of zaf's mobile suit i like that one too the dom not the dom no zaf's the oh, gin? Yeah, the gins. Okay. Uh, they've got longer wings on them and purple coloration. They look very angelic, like they, Seraph, because of the six wings. They vaguely remind me of the Tauros from Gundam Wing. I can kind of see that. They don't have quite the same transformation thing going on. Uh, they remind me a lot of Doms, mostly because of the coloration and them being inner atmosphere suits. And still They fly around more than the Doms. But as Whereas I think the gin is a pretty big improvement on the Zaku. The Dins really don't do that much for me. I like the Dins. I design. like them as a design. I don't know that I like them as a replacement yeah. for the Dom. Maybe it's just comparing them to the Dom, which is pr- one of my favorite grunt suits. And I'm they're clearly going the for Dom, the same thing. So. The Dom has those big-ass bazookas, though. Yeah, this, I like the skirt. Here we get to see sort of one of the differences between Maru and Natarl that I wish they'd play up a little more, which is Natarl isn't as flexible. Because she's like, but but the strike, and he's like, yeah, I know, it can't swim, and it can't fly, but what do you want me to do? I <laughs> built the damn thing, I know what it can do. It's gotta shoot something. Give it the big pack, give it the heavy weapons pack, and put it on the roof. Which is a strategy they will use later. I, for, I actually did kind of forget that that was actually ah, a strategy. And load wombats, yes. <laughs> wombats are their anti-mobile suit missiles, I love them. Go wombats. Have the wombats actually killed anything? Uh, yes, they've killed some gins. 
I don't think they do in this battle, though. I kind of like the down. names of most of their stuff. The Eagle Stellings, the Wombats. Valiants. Valiants. Anti-beam depth charges. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm into anti-beam depth you know, charges. Couldn't they just use, you know, standard depth charges now that they're in the ocean? I, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the Skygrasper launches with the gun on it. Presumably because it already had it on there. They just didn't take it off. And they're still repairing uh, Kigali's. Yeah. That. I, I was going to get to that. Because I kind of love that shot. So we get the full Sky Grasper launch scene, which is fine because we haven't seen it very much yet. The one thing I do like about the Dins is they give a cool enemy for Moo to fight in the Sky Grasper. Since they can, we have some air-to-air combat. They're not quite jets, but they're very similar with the wings. So yeah, we then see the second Sky Grasper is still being repaired. Kigali runs up to it and Murdoch's like, do you see this thing? It is mostly not together. This is your. This is the wing that is currently <laughs> hanging over here, not connected to the rest of what the What I'm ship. wondering is why they're just now taking it off. <laughs> like, uh, I think it's one of those situations of this one was really badly battered and you're m- going to get more money for your uh, work by repairing Moo's plane and kira's strike first i kind of think we'll get to it the strike doesn't have a equipment pack at all and my interpretation of that is that the sword is still on the jet because they haven't had time to repair it yet they haven't repaired the ale strike yet because we saw it get pretty beat up in the fight with waltfelt and the gun makes the most sense on the sky grasper i love her snap yeah kigali like snaps in frustration which is great like oh rats (laughs) you really got the oh rats oh darn But it also kind of gives um, gives her just that little bit of extra character moment because, yes, we were laughing about the fact that it's the oh darn moment. But if that's actually how you react to frustration, that it's, it's very sim- her, actually. It, it really is. Also, Murdoch's like, get the hell out of my hair. <laughs> I, I also like this bit of continuity with their repairs. For the same reason, I like them needing to resupply. It adds some tension. It adds a feeling that they could run out of missiles or bullets or whatever. And then they'd be in trouble. I want to know how many wombats they have in those tubes. Because they just <laughs> fire those things off every time they got a chance. And the Valiants, too. Although the Valiants probably use, like, recycled material in the atmosphere or something. So we get some cool shots of the Sky Grasper engaging with the Dins. Like I said, I actually really like this. And we get the offhand mention that they're probably from Carpentaria, which is a Zaf base that comes up a lot. And then also, there are two mobile suits on the sonar. Which adds a nice little bit of multidimensionality to this fight. Gundam Seed is very good at staging its fight scenes. Although one thing I I don't like here is that he states, the, the guy that's on Sonar states that the sound and speed says they have to be mobile suits. He's like, they when sound like a, mobile suits. This is a guy who has no experience working Sonar. He's a new type, Zach. It's all right. He's, like, a, he's a Sonar savant. He, like, he doesn't have any access to this, and he already at one point got it wrong how many suits were coming, because he initially says there's um, there's four of them. Yeah. Before correcting. So the fact that he immediately guesses that they're mobile suits is a little odd. That said, at that size, what else would they be? Uh, I don't know. Tiny submarines? It could easily (laughs) be some kind of (laughs) mini-sub. Yeah. Maybe large torpedoes? So they start shooting torpedoes, and Maru's like, evade, and they're like, no time. And she's like, so pull up. (laughs) We we can fly. They're like, oh yeah, we're in a spaceship. And we get some nice reaction shots from Murdoch and Flay uh, being affected by Star Trek G-Forces. I like how Flay's so on the deck, too. Well, I'm expecting her to fall off. She's freaking out a lot less than when they did a barrel roll. But also, I guess this is a lot less I I kind of like Murdoch's reaction, because he falls mm-hmm. over, and his immediate reaction is, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> so it forces the goons to surface and start taking pot <laughs> shots. And then I actually really like the strike is just in the catapult, trying to, like, snipe them <laughs> with just the beam rifle, no uh, striker pack on. 
And he's basically like, man, this ain't gonna work. I'm going fishing. It's like, Chief Murdoch, we got that oversized bazooka the Earth Force has made for some reason, right? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, eh, yeah. He's like, I, w- I want that. We need to sell bazooka toys, man. I'm diving into the sea. You do realize you can't swim, right? <laughs> and this is probably a couple thousand feet of water. And he's like, I went to the Maru school of I gotta do something. <laughs> <laughs> those suits don't really seem to be damaging the ship at all i feel like they could and i really feel like they didn't even need to like scramble their forces quite, honestly quite honestly they have weird torpedoes because they already launched a couple they launched the torpedoes and then they popped out of the water and, and launched fired torpedoes yeah which no they mostly they they're amphibious so they might also have rockets that use the same launcher I, tubes i guess but it just seemed a little weird because they fire out of the same they've also place. got some beams the beams look much more dangerous than the arbitrary torpedo. Like, the torpedoes aren't even scratching the strike when they hit it dead on. You know, honestly, so. the, I don't mind the fact that the strike jumps into the ocean to go after them. Although, I think it would make a lot more sense because we already have learned that the strike can't swim and can't fly. If they had, like, the launching the cable attached to it. That would be cool. So that it oh, is so they could basically tethered. In. Yeah. And that's, and that's how they get him out. Maybe it gets cut or something. Or gets, uh, yeah, he's got to worry about protecting the cable because they got to fish him out somehow. So this is really the only time we see the strike well-armed without a striker pack. And I just want to say, I actually really like its design. Very similar to the traditional Gundam, but it's got an almost, it's less blocky, which makes it look almost more feminine because it has kind of wide hips and then a narrow waist. And I like its color scheme a lot more. Well, it's got a lot more angular stuff going on. Well, I guess like flanges everywhere. We've already ranked the strike, but I just want to talk, appreciate it for a moment because <laughs> we don't really get it sexy, just on its sexy own machines. that often. And uh, with just the daggers, it looks really naked. But with a bazooka and a shield or a rifle and a shield, I actually just really like the look of it. I don't like it with just the rifle and the shield. The bazooka and the shield. That's a cool a bazooka, space, though. So, so yeah, uh, Gundam tradition. He grabs the bazooka. Like I said, I couldn't find where that happens, but I know it does. So it's a tradition somewhere. Yeah, in particular, in the original Gundam, there's lots of points where his beam doesn't work underwater, so he has to use sabers and such. There's actually a really cool bit where he uses both beam sabers to like jab one in the camera and then like baseball swing the other one at something, <laughs> which is just like the original Mobile Suit Gundam. I think that's the point where it starts to actually get kind of good, and they do some cool fight choreography stuff. So I enjoyed watching that. I remember in Wing, they sp- they mentioned that beam weapons don't work underwater. Until Death Scythe shows up, but that's... I think it's like ranged beam weapons don't work. The way Gundam treats it is they quickly lose their power. Like, he, fr- he takes it under water and he, like, hits a mobile suit a bunch, but it just, like, does kind of uh, cosmetic damage. Well, in, if I remember, in Wing, they just specifically state beam weapons don't work underwater. Gotcha. Except for the Scythe. The strike went into the ocean. Don't hit it with our big-ass cannons. We're not shooting into the ocean. <laughs> Quite honestly, though, if he if he jumped into the water, you just kind of leave him to sink to his death because he's probably in a couple thousand feet of water. It depends on how quickly they sink, but it's a good point. And like the goon guys make fun of him like, bro, what you doing? The thing I don't like about this fight is he loses the bazooka right, right away. It does not do anything for him. That's it's just there because and he loses reason. his shield at the same time, but he decides to ride one of the goons. Grabs like a, a shark. Knife, <laughs> grabs the knife and, uh, you know, gets a hit with it. So uh, that's one goon down. I I love how it decompresses. That's great animation. It also kind of helps explain why he was able to beat it with a knife. Yeah, he basically just punctures the airtight container and it fills with water and crushes. So yeah, more Skygrasper versus Dins. I actually really like this stuff. And then there's the Archangel just like randomly shooting its Vulcans everywhere for no apparent... More Wombats. Fire everything! (laughs) Gotta save that animation. 
See, they they hit a din with it and then hit it with the Valiants. So <laughs> that was an assist by the Wombats, but it's not Commander Beard's din. We should say Commander Beard is in a din. And he's like, man, why are my underwater suits not working? And we see a pretty cool shot of the uh, din falling into the water in pieces. So then uh, the strike is charging with the knife, but getting torpedoed, and somehow it loses the knife. Seems to be swimming just fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got to tell you guys, water and space and, you know, vacuum work differently. But there's a really cool shot where the r- wreckage starts falling around the strike, uh, and he grabs the gun from the din that I actually think Tears is like the great hand a. off. <laughs> and then the goon rams into him, but he has a gun now, and he just uh, shoots a bunch into the chest. I actually really like this scene. It's a nice bit of continuity. It's good setup. Even though I wish the bazooka did something. And Commander Beard is like, oh, crap. <laughs> Time to go. Especially when uh, Moo gets some shots on him with the, uh, not the big gun, but the laser that's on the Sky Grasper and damages his wings. He Which tells I'm not... himself, I'm retreating for now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure those wings were functional. Yeah, apparently the strike can swim just fine. Yeah. And Kira's like, man, that debris sure looks pretty underwater. Yeah. I wish Waltfelt was here to watch it with me. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I killed someone else. And uh, I wish I didn't kill Andrew Waltfelt. He was cool. He had a sweet shirt. I do love Waltfelt's Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> so then we cut up to the Versalius in space. And we see Nickel saying goodbye to his rents. His dad looks, like, really sad. They're, like, the opposite of Atherin's parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, they are both alive, and neither of them is an asshole. <laughs> and then Nickel's like, hey, back to school, Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Atherin's like, he's like, oh, Atherin, I haven't seen you all summer. And he's like, yeah, but I went to your concert. That was cool. And Nickel's like, dude, you're asleep. Nothing's like, totes not. I was closing my eyes to concentrate better. And Nickel's like, I've always wanted to be a concert pianist. And Atherin's like, hey, once Operation Sprint Break is done, everything will be great. And Nickel's like, I had a wild kager on spring break. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, this is the first time I'm going to Earth. And Atherin's like, yeah, me too. And I'm sure like, oh, this will end well. So, because you didn't really say, what do you think is going to happen to Atherin going forward? Because that's a pretty major character we didn't talk much about. He's not really in the episode. <laughs> no, he, he hasn't been around He's much clearly for a coming while. back. Yeah, well, I mean, it shows him getting on a bus, basically. <laughs> the bus back to the plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite of the bus people normally get put on. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure because I could definitely see him or he and Kira doing the uh, space angst at each other for a while. Because, like, every time they fight, it's a stalemate, basically. So you think they will continue to stalemate for the next ten episodes? Yeah, for at least the next ten episodes. Like, Atherin is too important a character. He's been given too much plot significance to die anytime soon. I don't think he's going to switch sides either. He might go rogue for a while. I could see him going rogue, actually. All right, then. So that's episode 22. Uh, I like the action scenes in it a lot conceptually, but there are the problems Zach pointed out of the strike can't swim, but it's fine swimming. That drives me absolutely ballistic. I, I'd never really thought about it too much, but rewatching it now is like, seriously? Like, this is supposed to be a problem, and yet it is apparently not a problem. Well, and as you pointed out, like, trying to mix the, like, emotional development and the fight scenes in a single episode like that, where they just split it right down the middle, just doesn't work super well. It has a lot less impact than a lot of the other fights. It's not as bad as that asteroid episode, but it's, like, probably the... Like, if we ranked episodes on an episode-by-episode basis, it would be one above that. And I'm completely unenthused with Beardy Guy as a villain. Captain Beardo? long, don't worry. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing against him personally, except it's against him personally. (laughs) Raul Crusade isn't great either, but at least he's mysterious and 
like has Atherd and Izak to play off well, of. Captain has... Beardy is a placeholder villain. Well, until Crusade's... we get to the real villain of the next arc, Crusade has a plot building up behind him, right? Because like he apparently has, he has some... momentum. He has heat. Yeah, this guy is just like Lara Crusade's pawn, but not as interesting pawn Atherd. All right then. So high points. Who wants to start? Tyler, what was your high point for the episode? Yeah, I sorry. like that part too. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm trying to think about it. Um. Oh, okay. Actually, definitely the Natural not being able to <laughs> drink scene. That was really good. Zach? Kigali and Kira on the back deck. For me, it's... Uh, with the lead pipe. It's the continuity of the Din getting destroyed and then that gun being used to what are you laughing destroy the at goon. That? With the lead pipe? Yes. It sounded like I was making a clue no, guess. I, I got the joke. I was just laughing at it. Uh, low point, Tyler? I mean, I'm, I'm going to continue harping on this. But the completely underwhelming introduction of generic beardy captain guy, like, ah, oh, that crusade, I'm gonna do exactly <laughs> what he wants me to. <laughs> Rawr, I don't, it's not very good character development. I have no idea why he hates crusade. I don't understand what's really all that manipulative about it. Like, I don't know. Well, it seems like everyone hates crusade because even, uh, that's because he wears the mask. It's everyone who hasn't just, met him hates him. Even <laughs> Andrew Waltfelt doesn't like him very much. Hey, Patrick is totally into him. <laughs> that is true. He and Patrick Zala are buds. Well, Patrick Zala thinks they're buds, and Crusade's like, I'm going to do something mysterious eventually to cause your downfall, I guess. What's your low point, Zach? The strikes and mystical qualities in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, turns out zero-G thrusters are great underwater. Who knew? Even when you establish that they're not. For me, I think it's, hey, this bazooka is cool. You should buy the bazooka strike, kids. I'm okay, gonna no more bazooka. I'm gonna throw it down to the bottom of the ocean where there's a portal to target. <laughs> <laughs> well, and apparently they'll just recover it if he ever needs it again. We never see that bazooka again. Spoilers. <laughs> I didn't remember if it ever showed up. Well, there. I mean, that's at least good continuity. Like, they didn't go dig it up somehow. They could get another bazooka, though. I do really like the uh, grabbing the gun and using it, as, or grabbing the gun out of the uh, Din's hand and using it as a weapon. All right, so we need to rank a mobile suit. I say the goon. The Din will show up plenty of times. I feel like the goon doesn't get much screen time, though. It's not particularly interesting, either. No. Yep. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of it, but, like, let's just put a bunch of rockets on this thing. Seems like, yeah, no. Nah. So how do we think it compares to the Jin? I don't like it as much as I the I think gin. it compares just favorably to just like the basic gin, right? Yeah. I actually like the gin fairly well, so. All right, what about the Mobius, not the Mobius Zero? Just the regular I like it Mobius? more than the Mobius. I think I also agree that I like it more than the Mobius. Okay. Well, that was easy. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it goes. Number that 14, blue gin above Mobius. All right, next time we get the other aquatic mobile suit. And we also get those two characters that have been pointing guns at each other in the opening for 22 episodes, finally interacting. <laughs> Yay! Not pointing guns. I don't actually, like, I remember who, I remember that scene, but I can't remember who the hell is actually holding the guns. Don't worry. Well, you'll be too distracted by the, you know, <laughs> you know. Impressive that. physics. So next time we're watching episode 23, Fateful Encounter. Sharpen that soul of yours, Gundam! If you want to check out our other podcast, Last Time on Video Games, where we talk about video games, you can do it at www.lasttimeonvideogames.com. If you want to listen to another episode of this show, one where I maybe actually recap what the show's about first, <laughs> and so it's not as confusing for new listeners. We're halfway through. No, we, know, we, got, we got three more episodes before we're halfway. Close enough. And it feels like ten before like I feel like there's that halfway <laughs> shift. See you next time, guys. Bye.
submarine carrier. Hmm. No matter how you slice it, those suits couldn't have come from Carpenteria. We're on the move ourselves, so if they came all the way out here to attack us, they couldn't make it back. If it were a surface ship or aircraft, then there's no way we would have overlooked it. But this thing's underwater, and we're just not used to that. <laughs> but next time, we gotta beat them. Otherwise, they'll follow us the entire way. This has been a Last Podcast production, copyright 2019. What is the next episode called? I don't remember. Fateful Encounter. Is it? That sounds like a Gundam episode. It title. does. It sounds. It sounds like almost too generic for me to believe him. <laughs> <laughs>